everybody doing? Good. Well, welcome to Portico Milton. Actually, uh, thank you for welcoming me back to Portico Milton. I love to come back and visit every once in a while. And so it's great to always see all of your smiling faces and uh, sometimes some faces that I don't recognize. That's one of my favorite parts, actually. And uh, I, I have noticed, however, I, I didn't get invited back for the pancake breakfast week. What's up with that? I never get to come for that. So uh, I don't know, I'm going to have to book vacation or something if I want to have pancakes. We'll see what happens. Well, we're going to get you to take out your Bibles. We're in a brand new series this morning. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, I think we can probably loan you one. Our ushers would be ready to help you with that. Anybody need a Bible, just kind of put your hand up in the air and our ushers will help to bring you one. And um, also we're going to get you to take out your sermon notes right now. And if you are uh, following along electronically, if you're using sermon notes on your, on your phone or your tablet, any smart device then what you're going to need to do is download the new Portico app, okay? Uh, the notes are no longer available on version. We want to kind of get that message out. We're going to be using our app exclusively now. And you have the ability on the app to uh, fill in the blanks and type in your own notes as well and send them to yourself, all the same as you used to be able to do. But uh, we, uh, this is one of the diabolical ways that we're going to get you to download our app, right? Yes. Okay, so follow along with us there. We're starting this brand new series called The Stars of Christmas. And maybe you noticed when you came in this morning, there's a little bit of a a photo booth going on down there. And uh, Bob was our first star of Christmas. He uh, is already, he's already up on the Portico Instagram, yes. And so uh, stop by there, have a little fun afterwards. We don't, we don't provide the photographer. You have to use your own phone, but uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. So Go ahead and get your picture taken and post it wherever you like. Just make sure you mention at Portico CC, all right? Everybody do that? Hashtag Milton. Don't forget that. That's important, all right? Okay, so we're looking together uh, at the stars of Christmas, some of the roles that are played in the Christmas drama at the time of the birth of Jesus all those 2,000 years ago. Now, if anyone understands celebrity culture, it's our culture. We know what this is all about. And when we think of a star, we go right to the leading roles, don't we? We always think of, of uh, you know, those leading men and those leading ladies who act in the movies that we see. But stars are made. They're not born. Not everybody starts in a leading role. Did you know that? Stars are made, not born. And there are a lot of stars out there who play supporting roles, but who end up being a very vital part of the plot in the drama. And we want to look at one of those kind of characters today. Every star gets their start somewhere. And lately in television, we've had all kinds of shows beginning to pop up over these last 10 years or so that are geared to finding and making stars, particularly in the music industry. And one of them is called The Voice. Now, honestly, I have not been watching this show of late, but I have heard about what's happening with this guy. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou Changest not thy compassions, they fail not as thou hast been now forever. 
How refreshing to see that on national television, but uh, that's not why I played it for you. Uh, I get chills every time I watch that. I I did the first time and every time since, and I don't know about you, but uh, there is just something about a few of those final notes that, that get me every time. And I think it's because of the, of the message of the song as well. But this guy, how many of you have, have had seen that before? Okay, just a few of you. Anybody know who Jordan Smith was before a couple months ago? No. This guy was nobody. And uh, here is what you need to know about Jordan. He was an unknown, a small town guy from a place called Harlan, Kentucky who nobody had ever heard of before. He joked on the show that no one gets out of Harlan alive. But that voice, wow, that voice, he totally blew away the judges, and now he is wowing the entire North American audience. I loved one of the comments from YouTube where where we pulled that video clip from. You know how people sort of comment underneath where the clips are posted? This guy said, okay, I am an atheist, but this... This right here brought tears to my eyes. If he does not win, America's got a problem. Uh, Jordan's performance of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah this past Monday evening unseated Justin Bieber to go number two on iTunes by Tuesday morning. So just like Jordan Smith of The Voice, we want to look at a character from the Christmas story who nobody knew anything about. Uh, you know, this, this, uh, this character, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were just, you know, do, doing their thing, minding their business. Zachariah was a priest in the temple. And, and John, who would become John the Baptist, not even born yet, but John was one of those, those less mentioned characters in the Christmas story. We, we just hear about him for a blip in Luke chapter 1. And in the telling of the story, you would think him more an extra or at least a minor supporting role. But really, he is one of the stars of Christmas. We just don't always recognize him that way. But without John, without John, the story is very different. John played a critical role in the bigger picture of God's plan to bring salvation to the world. And we want to look at a few of the more significant outcomes of the role that he played in the Christian Christmas narrative today. So turn with me in your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, and I'm beginning to read at verse 17. You can follow along with me. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. This is the angel talking to Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. There's a great sound bite for somebody this morning. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. (coughs) Excuse me. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so there are a few of these uh, things that we want to talk about that John was instrumental in uh, as, as he played his part in the story of Christmas. Thank you, Heather. Uh, and the first one is this. He ignited the flames of hope. John ignited the flames of hope. It's that thing that you never want to happen when you're up speaking in front of people. <clears throat> And, and here it is. 
John ignited the flames of hope. Look at verse 13 to 15 that we just read together. The angel said to Zechariah, you are to call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. From the last chapter of the book of Malachi, in the Old Testament until the time of the Christmas narrative, over 400 years have gone by. 400 years during which there was no prophetic word, no prophetic voice from God. 400 years during which the Jewish religion had become a religion of rote and ritual with hundreds of added laws and regulations that focused on on outward displays rather than on inward transformation. Hope was waning. It was not like they didn't know about the coming of Messiah. The ancient prophets had foretold about him, but it increasingly seemed that all hope was lost. 400 years. Can you imagine? 400 years no word from God. And in our text that we have read together, Zechariah the priest is visited by the angel of the Lord while he's just doing his normal duties. And the angel Gabriel, a messenger direct from God himself, uh, this was God breaking his silence. And the angel's message was to tell Zechariah that he and Elizabeth would have a son and that many would rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great the angel said, great in the sight of the Lord. Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for a child. We know this because the angel said, your prayer has been heard. And this was not uncommon for Jewish families because they had a desperate desire for their names to live on. And so a barren woman was looked down on in that society. And Elizabeth particularly would have longed and hoped for a child. And in her old age, Hope was waning. How many of you know the older you get, the more difficult this whole process can seem, right? And so, you know, Elizabeth's getting on in years. And in her old age, she's not, she's not as hopeful. And so the coming of this child into her family ignited the flames of hope in her own heart for them personally as a couple in a huge way. Elizabeth said, God has done this for me and he has shown me favor and taken away my disgrace. But that was just the beginning. You see, the coming of John onto the scene marked the precursor to the coming of the Messiah. And the hope of the Jewish people was fanned into flame once again. God had spoken to Zechariah, and through the the, uh, son that God had promised, the way of the Messiah would be prepared according to God's plan. Isaiah had prophesied. He had said that that a people in darkness have seen a great light. A great light has dawned on them. And in the book of John chapter 1, it records for us these words, verses 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light. The light that Isaiah talked about, John came. To, to reignite the flames of hope in the, in the nation of Israel around the coming of this light. John wasn't the light. He wasn't the light, but he came to testify concerning the light. And John would reignite the flames of hope in his time. The hope of Messiah, the hope of his light coming into the darkness and into the long, long silence of 400 years. I was thinking of some examples of people who have ignited the flames of hope in their times. People like Abraham Lincoln, 
who ignited the flames of hope for thousands of slaves longing for freedom in the United States. The Civil War was finally won under his leadership. The Union was preserved, and the Emancipation Proclamation declaring slaves free was given in 1863. William Wilberforce had done a similar thing for the British Empire a number of years before. And then someone we've all heard of, Martin Luther King Jr., Most famous for his I Have a Dream speech, he ignited the flames of hope for hundreds of thousands of black Americans that one day prejudice might be overcome and equality for all people could be realized. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, he said. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He ignited the flames of hope for, for so many in that time. Nelson Mandela in South Africa fought for a similar kind of equality. He fought to end the scourge of apartheid. And in his famous speech from the dock on April 20th in 1964, he said, I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It is an ideal which I hope to live for and to achieve. But if needs be, it is an ideal that I am prepared for which, for which to die. These famous men from history ignited the flames of hope in their spheres of influence. Their passion stirred the hearts of people and rallied them to a cause. And today, today the world is waiting for another voice, for a voice to ignite the flames of hope for many crises that are occurring in our world. ISIS and the Syrian conflict, refugees without home or country who need placement, acts of terror in places like Paris and Beirut and even here on Canadian soil just a year ago with the threat of terror hanging in the air. Communities suffering with grief in the aftermath of mass shootings. Another in California just this week now also reported as terrorism. And yet many, many of the voices that we do hear today are largely cynical, pessimistic, and anemic lacking any kind of rally and cry. Folks, our world, our communities, our neighborhoods are ripe for a voice that reignites the flames of hope. And you need to know something today. What we're facing in the world with with terrorism and all those things that I just mentioned, there's really only one solution. And that is someone we know who is the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus Christ. And when he comes, uh, and, and when he comes, not just physically returns to this earth, but when he comes in the hearts and the lives of people, and as the church grows and people are added, that's how we're going to solve these problems that we have in our world today. At Christmas time, living in a broken world with broken people all around us, as the church, we can be the voice that reignites the flames of hope for those who have lost hope all around us. We already have an amazing cause. We know that that our cause is the best cause in the world. And so the salvation of humanity is, is important. And the Christmas message, it is the message of hope that this broken world needs to hear. You have a cause and you have a voice. You have a cause and you have a voice. John didn't just ignite the flames of hope in Israel, but he also inspired a generation to believe. He inspired a generation to believe. Do you remember this? I wonder if you remember this. I've dreamed of all my lives will be the change. 
Olympics in 2010. Vancouver hosted the, Olympi- the Winter Olympic Games, and it was, a, it was a magical time. It really was for Canada. And this theme song was number one on the Canadian charts and went quadruple platinum in sales, for which Nikki is very thankful. And whether or not you liked the song, it was part of an Olympic experience that year that inspired a generation to believe. The atmosphere was palpable. I wasn't in Vancouver for any of it, but I talked to some who were there and, and they shared just how incredible it was to be at the events and how, how pumped that Canadians were wherever, whenever they met them in the village or on the street. It was an exciting time. And here's a you know, short part of an article that I looked up this week when I was reflecting back on this. It said that Vancouver became Canada's third Olympic host city. But unlike the first two times the Olympic Games came to Canada, when the host nation went without a gold medal, this time there were a record number of trips to the top of the podium. Canada's 14 gold medals were the most ever won by one country at a Winter Games, while the 26 total medals was a Canadian high. And so I wonder, do you remember where you were when Sidney Crosby scored the golden goal? Do you remember where you were? Go ahead, just think about it for a minute. He got the puck over by the boards. Remember that horrible angle shot, but somehow it went in. And I don't know about you, but we like freaked out. That was gold for Canada. And, uh, and then they played that stupid song again. Oh, I don't know. By the end of it, I was ready to like gouge my eye out every time that song came on. But you can't argue with the fact that it, that it and the whole experience rallied and inspired a generation to believe. In the time when God's messenger visited Zechariah in Israel, there was eternally more that was at stake. Nothing like Olympic Games. God told Zechariah that through the message of the angel, this is what, this is what God, John is going to do. In Luke chapter 1 and 16, the angel said, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Many will believe, is what he was saying. Many are going to be inspired to believe because of what John will do. The angel's words were crystal clear, that John will be the means 
for many to come back. And it was time for the voice of God to be heard in the hearing of the common man. Once again, it was time for a prophetic voice, not only to to reawaken the hopes of Israel, but also to be heard and heeded. It was time for many in Israel to come back to the Lord their God. And so when John was of age, he began to preach a message of repentance and to teach a baptism of repentance. People came to him from all around to hear him talk about God and about turning from their sins. And some actually thought that John was the Messiah. Now, John and Jesus were cousins. So we sort of imagine they grew up a little bit together. They probably hung out a little bit. And, and, and so there was a little bit of a temptation here. You know what cousin kind of rivalry can be like, right? John and, and he's thinking, huh, they think I'm the Messiah. Hmm. Uh, you know, the temptation would be strong. You can imagine what kind of following that John could have had if he had just played into the role like everyone wanted him to do. He could have had huge crowds following him and huge crowds following his ministry. But, but John knew that that was not why he had been sent. He knew his place and what his role was to be. He was there to inspire a generation to believe, not in him, but in the one who was coming, in the Messiah. And so when the Jewish leaders came to question him and to ask him who he was, his response was clear. In John 1 and verse 23, it says he replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. John was just the voice, the one who would prepare the way. He said, I'm only here for one reason. I'm the voice calling. Clear the way for the Lord to come. He is the Messiah. I am just the voice. Early in the Apostle John's reflection of the story, he speaks of John the baptizer this way. We read the first part part of this verse earlier. Look what he says at the end in John 1, 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was a witness to testify concerning that light. Why? So that through him all might believe. And John really did inspire a generation to believe. Just like the psalmist says in Psalm 145 and verse 4, that one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. As a matter of fact, there's a a great story in John chapter 1 about someone who's unwavering faith in Jesus that came about because of John. And his name was Andrew. Andrew was actually one of John's disciples. He was following John, listening to John's teaching, helping John to baptize the many who were coming and repenting and turning back to God. And the story is in John 1 verses 35 to 42 or thereabouts. And and it says that as as Andrew was with John, he and, and another one of John's disciples heard John say about Jesus, look, the Lamb of God. And in that moment, these two began to follow Jesus. We're really not sure what happened to the other disciple of John's, but Andrew actually didn't just become a disciple of Jesus himself. He also ended up bringing his brother, Simon Peter, as well. And so the two of them, who, you know, it originated with John's voice, the two of them ended up becoming part of that well-known group, the 12 disciples. And, and they were there. They were there when Jesus healed the sick. And they were there when he raised the dead. They were there and heard Jesus teach about the kingdom of God. They were there when they crucified Jesus. There when Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit fell on that first day of Pentecost, they were there and they were both involved in getting the early church rolling through persecution and all kinds of hardship and other distractions. And a generation was inspired to believe. It was John's voice 
that first inspired them to follow Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they inspired, his words inspired them to believe in him. Again, the psalmist says, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. When we use our voice to share the Christmas story and the message of the truth of the incarnation, we not only are potentially able to bring hope, but we can also inspire people to believe, I think. I know. As followers of Jesus, we want to be voices that faithfully tell his story. And at this season of the year, we have an amazing opportunity to do just that. When Christmas is the topic of conversation at our workplace or or with our family celebrating at home or in our neighborhoods, we need to add our voice so that this generation can be inspired to believe. At the very least, we can invite them out to our One Hope concerts next Uh, Saturday and Sunday so that they will have the opportunity to hear the Christmas story and believe in it and all that it represents. At least we can do that. We have a voice and we can invite and we have uh, invitations down there for you to take again today and we want to encourage you to do that. So John was, was the voice that ignited the flames of hope in Israel, that inspired a generation to believe and finally John was the voice that impacted the future of all humanity. The angel said to to Zechariah about the boy John who was about to be born. He said in verse 17, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This was not only a message for Israel of that day. This was a message that would make ready a people. It was... John was to be the, the setup man, if you will. If you want to think about it in terms of, uh, you know, baseball, for example, John was middle relief, okay? Right? Work with me here. God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament. They were kind of the starting pitchers. And after 400 years of silence, when it seemed like the game was a lost cause, John came in in the late innings when the game was on the line to bring hope and to get the lead back so that the closer could get into the game, Right? Does that work for you? That works. It's not bad. And so, so it was never about John. His role was only to the extent that his voice could make the way for the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, came in to close the game, if you will. His purpose was to put an end to sin once and for all. This is what would impact the future of all humanity. And John was the one whose voice would prepare the people for all of that. He was the setup man. Read verse 29 in in John chapter 1. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. He's there. He's baptizing people on on the shores of the Jordan River. And he sees Jesus coming and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, John came as a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And you might be wondering about all of this and thinking, you know, really? Really what kind of impact... Can, can my voice have? What kind of impact can my voice have? Well, I want to tell you just a little story and then we're going to be done. Edward Kimball. Anybody ever hear of Edward Kimball? No, I didn't think so. Edward Kimball allowed God to use his voice. Most people have never heard of him. Kimball was a Sunday school teacher who not only prayed for the often rowdy boys in his class, but also 
sought to win each one of them to the Lord. If Kimball ever felt like giving up, he never talked about it. And if you have ever taught the Bible to young boys, then you know that the experience can often be like herding cats. It's, it's not an easy task. One young man in particular did not seem to, to be sort of getting it, didn't understand what the gospel was about. And so Kimball went to the shoe store where this young man was stocking shelves and he confronted him in the stockroom with the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That young man's name was Dwight L. Moody. And in the stockroom that Saturday, he received Jesus Christ as his savior. And in his lifetime, Moody leveraged his voice and touched two continents for God with untold thousands coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? It's not over. Actually, that's where it begins. Because under Moody, another man's heart was touched for God, whose name was Wilbur Chapman. And Chapman became the evangelist who preached to thousands. And one day, a professional baseball player had a day off and attended one of Chapman's meetings. And he came to know Jesus Christ. His name was Billy Sunday. And he quit professional baseball and became a part of Chapman's evangelistic team. Then Uh, Chapman went on, accepted the pastorate of a large church, and Billy Sunday began his own evangelistic crusades, each of them using their voices to ignite hope, to inspire generations, and to impact the future of humanity. Another young man became a follower of Jesus through Billy Sunday's ministry, whose name was Mordecai Ham. And when Ham came to Charlotte, North Carolina, a sandy-haired, lanky young man, then in high school, vowed that he would never go to hear him preach. But Billy Frank, as he was called by his family, did eventually go. A bunch of his friends uh, decided that they were going to go to the crusade that night and they were going to heckle and they were going to throw rotten tomatoes and just basically cause a disturbance. And Billy thought that sounded like fun. And so he went along to see what would happen. But that night, Billy Frank went and was intrigued by what he heard. He returned the next night and eventually he responded to the invitation and came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Billy Frank eventually became known as Billy Graham, the evangelist who preached to more people than any other person who ever lived, including the Apostle Paul. And it all started with a Sunday school teacher who used his voice to talk to a young boy about Jesus. Well, really, if you think about it, it all started with John and the prophet's before him who use their voices. You see, every single one of us who are in this room today, we have a voice. And while you might never be Billy Graham or D.L. Moody, we really have no idea, we have no clue what impact using our voice might have in the sphere of influence that God has given us. We don't know where that could lead. At Christmas time, we know the the baby who came and was born in the manger. Not, not the baby John now, but the baby Jesus. The baby who came and was born in a manger became the man, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it's at this time of year when the radio is playing songs about this all of the time. You hear theology in your car when you're driving to work, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, Jesus, our Emmanuel, who is God with us. And so my question is, will we lend our voice? Will I lend my voice to inspire future generations? Can we use the voice that God has given us to touch and impact 
the lives of people, to ignite hope, to inspire belief, and to impact future generations for Jesus Christ. I believe that we can if we will only allow God to use our voices. Amen? And so let's pray today. Father, God, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, God, for the story of, of John the Baptist that, uh, Lord, we don't often share at Christmas time. But I thank you for, for the impact of, of John's obedience, of, of the obedience of his parents. And Lord, as John stepped out and began to use his voice in the way that you called him to, Lord, he saw so many incredible things happen. And Father, I pray today, I pray that, God, you will allow us, that you will help us to be the, the church, to, to use the voice that you have given us, God, to impact our world today in a dynamic way. And Father, as we just think about, uh, Lord, maybe who it is today that we can talk to this week, who, that we can use our voice with. We talked last week about about a conversation. And God, we want to just sort of continue with that kind of theme. Who can we have a conversation with this week? How can we use our voice this week, Lord, to, to fan the flames of hope and to inspire belief and to, to impact people for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ at this Christmas time of year? And so, God, I pray. I pray that you challenge each and every one of our hearts, even as we, even as we pray in this room this morning. And, and Lord, I pray, too, that if there's someone here who has never heard uh, your voice speaking to their heart today, that God, they will hear clearly, Lord, the, the voice, the story of the gospel message that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to become a man, to become a person like we are, that you sent him so that, so that he could understand how we feel and, and know what we face, and that one day he could understand what it means to die, and he would give his life so that we could have forgiveness of sin and eternal life forever. And God, if there's anyone here today and, and they're hearing that for the very first time, I pray that, God, you'll help them to respond, Lord, to your still small voice speaking into their hearts, that, God, they would be challenged today, even as they sit where they are in this moment, to say yes to Jesus, to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Forgive me of the wrong things that I've done. I want to say yes to you. I want to believe in you today. And God, as they respond just to that still small voice, I thank you that, Lord, by the power of your spirit, you're, you're working already in their hearts and in their lives today. And Lord, I pray that, that they would just make that simple decision, pray that simple prayer, and God, have their life changed forever. So Father, as we come to, to close, uh, God, our time together, we want to lend our voices. God, we want to... We wanna, exercise our voices along with the angels. Lord, who came with that first incredible message of hope, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so, Father, we pray that as we just worship and lend our voices together, that, God, we will be inspired, Lord, to go from this place and to be the voice that you have asked us to be in this generation, in our world. And we thank you and we give you praise for that today in Jesus' name. Amen.